Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. One time I was in a grocery store and I was checking out, and as you know, as you check out, there's a variety of tabloids that talk about celebrities and their sins and divorces and all the drama and trauma surrounding them. Perhaps you read some of those tabloids. But there's always some random tabloid that talks about things that are really not true and completely unrealistic, but they present them as true. For example, I was looking at one tabloid, one front of it, and the first picture was of the Titanic, and the newsflash is that it did not sink. Perhaps that's news to you. The second picture was a baby. And the baby, when he was born, looked like Abraham Lincoln. And you would think he would just kind of look like Abraham Lincoln, but no, they cut and pasted Abraham Lincoln's face onto a baby body. Yeah. And the last one was probably one of the best ones that was the most surprising to me. And they really had a picture of this. And the headline said, GIs in Iraq capture Satan. And you have these guys with guns drawn and Satan is in the corner. And this, I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, they did not capture Satan. And we all know that he is like a, a roaring lion just going around seeing who's going to devour. And when we think about Satan, sometimes we can think about movies and exorcisms and a variety of those other dramatic things. But basically Satan and his, his demons, what they're trying to do is they're trying to disrupt your faith and, and get you to turn away from Jesus, to doubt the goodness of God. And what happens is that when you are pressed and you have problems in your life, you'll start to have questions in your mind and your heart like, if God loves me, then why is this happening to me? If God loves me, why doesn't he provide better for me like he does for other people? You'll start to have thoughts in your mind when you're pressed. Well, if sin is so bad, then why does it feel so good? And this will happen often when you're pressed and you have hard times. The enemy will attack you. Your flesh will attack you. The world will attack you. And there'll be a lot of messages and a lot of voices in your head and in your heart all around you to disrupt your faith. And the word of God to you this morning is you need to hear another voice. And you only need to hear one voice, and that is the voice of God. Because the voice of God will root you in your faith when all around you there are disruptors. And this morning, that's what my prayer is for you, to hear God's voice in his word. So let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews. Hebrews. This morning, we're going to cover chapter 12, verses 25 through 29. We're skipping a little bit. I assigned a little bit of this to Levan to preach uh, in the future, I've just been jumping around uh, different sermons these days. So we're skipping a little bit at, in the middle of Hebrews 12. But as we look at 25 through 29 today, we're coming off this 
celebration of the new covenant. And we're in the last warning. The book of Hebrews presents a variety of warnings to the Hebrews to not go back to Judaism. They're being persecuted. They're being crushed, right? And they're thinking, I want to go back to my old ways. And it's a warning to you and to me as well to not go back to our old ways, but to stay rooted in the gospel. It is the last warning. Let's look at it, starting in verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. In the Old Testament, the Israelites heard God speaking to them from Mount Sinai, and God warned them from the earthly mountain to follow his laws and to keep his covenant. But the desert generation refused to obey the Lord's voice, and they did not escape. They perished in their unbelief in the desert, and they failed to enter the rest of God in the promised land. And if this is what happened to the desert generation, how much more for us in the new covenant who have heard the final voice of God in Jesus Christ, who is speaking to us a salvation, if we neglect such great a salvation, our punishment for sure will be separation from God, eternal wrath, eternal wrath in hell, Listen to one of these, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2 says, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For the message spoken by angels is binding, and every violation and disobedience received is just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? If we neglect to pay more careful attention to the gospel, ignore such a great salvation refuse to listen to God speaking to us in his son, then we will not escape. And you may wonder, well, what's the punishment for those who neglect such a great salvation in Jesus? Well, the punishment is in Hebrews chapter 10, 26 and 27. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So the punishment of refusing him who is speaking is facing the wrath of God who is a consuming fire, who will devour his enemies with eternal punishment in hell. And I realize this is not a popular message. So I'm going to do a little backtracking here. And I know a lot of you are new, and I want to share something with you we talked about at Easter for I know in this room right now, there are four types of people, okay? I know this. In this room, there are believers. Those of you who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're not perfect, but you are a repentant sinner. You trust in Christ to save you. You're a believer in Jesus. The second group of people in here are what we would call the fake believers, you may have walked an aisle. You may profess Jesus. You may have sound doctrine, but you may believe just like the demons believe. Your heart has not been changed. You are a fake believer. You're here this morning. You're going through the motions, but you know your heart has not been changed. 
And the third group is the make-believers. That is where they take the gospel, they take Jesus, and they add a lot of all stuff to it. They may make stuff up, make-believe, that say everybody goes to heaven, make-believe stuff, say, oh, the way you go to heaven, just be a good person. They're just making stuff up. They're downgrading the gospel of grace in a variety of ways. They are a make-believer. And the last group of people in this room is what we would just flat out call the unbeliever. You're not going through the motions. You're not making stuff up. You just don't believe it. And I want to tell you, I have more hope for you than I do for the fake believer and the make-believer. I have hope for you that in hearing the gospel and considering the claims of Christ, you may put your faith in Jesus, not to go to the motions, but to be all in. But there's consequences. There's consequences of what we're reading right here that the make-believer, the fake-believer, and even the unbeliever will face wrath if they do not turn to Christ and believers must persevere. Look at verse 26. Look at verse 26. And his voice shook the earth then. Okay, pause. So God, the scene, Mount Sinai, he shows up with lightning and thunder and thick cloud and darkness and very loud trumpet blasts and smoke and fire and mountain just quakes and shakes. In the midst of all this, the Lord speaks his voice shakes the earth. The Israelites feel the shaking of God's presence. He's awesome. He is holy. He is mighty. That was then, but this is now. Verse 26 again. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. So in the present, we have a promise that God is going to do some massive shaking once again in, this, in the future on, on this earth and in the heavens. Just like he was shaking on Sinai, the mountain there, he's going to shake it all, the whole world. And he quotes from Haggai 2.6 where we see God is not only to shake the earth but also the heavens. And what, what we're talking about here is end time events where Jesus comes back, the judgment of God is meted out. There's going to come a time where God will bring full force of his wrath on his earth and it will be a dreadful day to be without Jesus. It will be a dreadful day to be going through the motions. A a dreadful day to be a make-believer, fake-believer, unbeliever. This is for real. Not making it up, not trying to just create stuff. This is in the word of God. Verse 27, this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things. So when God comes in judgment, the created things will be removed. All that can be presently shaken, such as the earth and the heavens, will be removed. Say, I want to blast you with some scriptures right now because I want to make sure that you see this in context. Um, 1 Corinthians 7.31. For this world in its present form is passing away. 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no longer any sea. Hebrews 1, 10 through 12, where he also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. 
They will perish, but you remain. They will also wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They'll be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. Now, sometimes it's hard to believe that this is actually going to happen because we live in paradise here in the village, which is basically an Eden that we're trying to create on this earth. How could God's wrath possibly come and do such things? We like to think if judgment is coming, it should come right away, and we don't need to wait for this. We don't need delayed judgment. I mean, don't you kind of just wish that, that judgment would happen quickly? For example, this past week, I'm not making this up, a 60-year-old guy strangled his girlfriend, takes her, he's burying her in his backyard, and while he's doing that, he has a heart attack and dies. And you're thinking, that's it right there. That's the kind of quick judgment we're talking about. That's what we need to see. But what we have is a delayed judgment where things are going to continue on right now. But be assured, you need to know this. Judgment will come upon this earth. And the question is, will anything survive the judgment of God? Will anything survive the judgment shaking of God? Verse 27, once again. All right, look at it again. This expression yet once more denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. So when God comes in judgment, the shaken things will be gone and yet something that cannot be shaken will remain. And that which cannot be shaken is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where he rules, and this is where he rules over his people. This is the city with foundations. This is Mount Zion. This is the heavenly Jerusalem. This is the city of God. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken, and those who are in the kingdom of God who bow to the lordship of Jesus Christ cannot be shaken. So let me show it to you like this. I'm going to pull something out of my pocket, and my pocket is a crystal that came from one of Ron Coleman's mines. You've been there before? You guys go digging, right? All right, so Pastor LeVan took a couple of my boys a while back uh, to, to dig, and it was not fun for them because it wasn't because they were with Pastor LeVan, no. <laughs> it was raining, it was cold, it was muddy, and there's puddles everywhere. And they brought some crystals back, and that was fine. But my daughter, Mary, uh, she went on a field trip this week. Um, I love Arkansas field trips. Let's just go to the mine. So they go to the mine, and, and they're digging, and it's hot. And what's interesting is these crystals are, are, are surrounded by dirt clods, right? Because, you know, the hot sun is just made. And the way that you get the crystals is, is of course, digging, but then you got to take it and you got to knock off the dirt clods and you got to shake it and get it off, get it all off, shake it, shake it, and then you, you got a crystal. Here's the imagery you got to see. There is a shaking coming. And all the dirt clods of this world are going to be shaken off. And the only thing that's going to remain is the kingdom of God. And what we do not want to do is invest our time and our energy in dirt clods that are just going to flow and fling away when we invest our energy in the kingdom of God. And you may wonder, well, what's the point of all this judgment? What's the point of all this, this future shaking? 
Well, someone has said the, the point of the future shaking is a discriminating function, a discriminating function where when God comes in full force, there is going to be a discriminating function of the shaking where those who are not part of the kingdom of God will face wrath and those who are in Christ will not face wrath. It distinguishes, it discriminates. And so the issue here that we need to talk about is why in the world would you ever want to turn away from Jesus knowing that God is holy, welcomes you into his family, knowing that there is a future wrath coming? Why would you ever want to turn away from Jesus the king of this unshakable kingdom and become engrossed with dirt clots that are just going to be shaking along with those who run after them? I just don't get it. I don't understand why you would make stuff up. I don't understand why you would be a fake believer. I don't, I don't get it. This is real. There is a future coming judgment and shaking. Let's keep going. Verse 28. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. So we are receiving a kingdom that is his reign, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We are receiving a kingdom, we're in a kingdom that cannot be shaken by war, that cannot be shaken by stock market dips or crashes. We're receiving a kingdom that is not based upon cryptocurrency rates or crashes. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we find our security in that kingdom. And the reality is, being a part of an unshakable kingdom, what does it say it should do? It should make us thankful. Did you see that? It should make us show gratitude by which we offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Because our kingdom will not go up in smoke. Our kingdom will not go down in the rubble. We of all people on this earth should be the most thankful and grateful people for being a part of this kingdom to a king where it cannot be shaken. But unfortunately, there are times that we, including me, like to imitate the grumbling Israelites in the desert who were redeemed out of Egypt, going toward the promised land, and what would they do? They were griping, they were complaining about the food, about no water. And what happened to them? They died in the desert. We want to be people who are receiving this kingdom, and we're not going to complain about the arrangement of the kingdom. We're not going to complain about our lack of accumulation in this world. We're not going to complain about these failure of shakable dirt clods. No, no. We are rooted in a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and we are thankful. And this thankfulness should turn into worship. Verse 28. It says, so we worship God acceptably. We see it there at the end of verse 27. For our God is a consuming fire. So we offer God in verse 27, it says there's an acceptable service with reverence and awe. We, we worship him for he is a consuming fire. So you may wonder, why do we worship God with reverence and awe? Well, it's because he's a consuming fire. And you, you kind of wonder, wait, God's a consuming fire? What does that mean? What are we talking about? Because when you hear sermons like this, you're like, what's the deal? Does God love us or does he hate us? What's the deal? You're talking about wrath? What, what? Here's the deal. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
God is a holy God, and we are sinful people. And those who do not take his offer of eternal life and repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ will not be forgiven and will face wrath. We can never say, God, you don't understand. God, you are an angry God. We can say God is a loving God who sent Jesus Christ, his only son, as a rescue plan. But that does not diminish the fact that God is a consuming fire. Because if God was not a consuming fire, the gospel would make zero sense because Jesus Christ is bearing the wrath of the consuming fire on the cross. And I do want to blast you here once again with some scriptures because this is all over the Bible. Isaiah 26, 11. Oh Lord, your hand is lifted up high, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be put to shame. Let the fire reserved for your enemies consume them. Isaiah 33, 14. The sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling grips the godless. Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? Zephaniah 1.18, neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole world will be consumed for it will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. Zephaniah 3.8, therefore wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day I will stand upon, up to testify. I've decided to assemble the nations, to gather the kingdoms and to pour out my wrath on them, all my fierce anger, the whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. You're like, is that in the Bible? It is. And you may think, oh, here's the deal. Old Testament God, New Testament God, Old Testament God, he's just mad. New Testament God, whoo, I'm so glad he's so loving and kind. God is God. He does not change. There's no OT God and new T God. No, no, no. There's one God. And he is a holy God who is a consuming fire, Old Testament, New Testament. And the same God who showed up at Sinai is the same one who's coming again with this consuming fire. It's the same God we serve today. And the issue is, and the biggest question you have to ask if you're sitting here this morning is, how can you survive his burning wrath? How can you survive it? On Friday night, I was watching a movie with my um, son and my, my daughter. It was um, a world-class movie. It was very, very good. It was about the end of the world, and it was starring Nicolas Cage. Okay. Every big movie about the end of the world must star Nicolas Cage. It's just the rules. So I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert here. Um, at the end of the movie... The whole world is being consumed by fire. You can just see it. It's just moving. It's moving like this. It's destroying everything. and all, It's just destroying everything. And the only hope the movie gives for future humanity is as this fire is destroying the whole world, thankfully, aliens came, not making this up, and rescued one little boy and one little girl and took them somewhere else. That is the hope of humanity. Now, my brothers and sisters, hopefully you're not waiting for silliness of aliens to rescue you from the coming fire. Can the consuming fire is judgment is coming for those who die and face the Lord when Christ comes back. And the question is, how can you and I survive his burning wrath? And here's the answer. The answer is only in Jesus. And to put it to you like this, uh, it's a great cool quote here. He says, our only safety is in the asbestos righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
When you think about asbestos, you think about fireproof. Our only safety is in the asbestos righteousness of Jesus Christ. As sinners, our protection is found from the fire of God in Jesus Christ. Through repentance and faith, we can be protected from the consuming fire. And through Jesus, we come into relationship with the consuming fire as we approach him and enjoy him and worship him. But if you reject the voice of God, if you reject the offer of Jesus, if you reject the gospel, then you will face the full fury of God's wrath. Now, I know some of you may be saying, you're just making stuff up. You're just making stuff up. Because you may, you may say something very similar that the scoffers are quoted as saying in the Bible. 2 Peter 3, 4, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Everything, everything's just the same. You could talk about wrath today, but we're going to go out this afternoon and we're going to play tennis and we're going to go by the beach and everything's just going to go on the same. You're just making stuff up. You're out of your mind talking about wrath. Everything's just the same. People are going to go and get married and people are going to go to their jobs tomorrow. Everything is just the same since the beginning of creation. How can you talk about judgment and wrath and fire? How can you even talk about that? And yet 2 Peter 3.7 says, The present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. It's going to happen. It will happen. And in a sense, we could say, you've been warned. And you may wonder, well, if it's going to happen, then why hasn't it happened yet? Why haven't... God come back with his full force on this earth, consuming fire. Why hasn't Jesus come back and wrap this thing up? Let's get going. Why has it not happened yet? Here's the answer. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why hasn't the full fury of his wrath landed yet? Because there are some people in here that God is patient with. There's some people in here who do not know him. Perhaps you're a fake believer, make believer, unbeliever. Here's your chance. God is being patient and merciful with you. He's given you an opportunity to find yourself in Jesus, to find true forgiveness in Jesus. The opportunity for you is now to put your faith in Jesus. You may be young and think you got a lot of time ahead of you to think about these things. You don't know that. Just found out last week that one of my daughter's friends died. She's like 20-something years old. Just died. And I think about yesterday, the, the shooting in... Buffalo, and one of the women, uh, her name was Pearly Young, 77-year-old woman. She ran a food pantry for 25 years. She was a mother, a grandma, and a missionary. And she just went grocery shopping and got shot and killed. She's with the Lord rejoicing. Why hasn't he come back yet in full fury of wrath? Because he's patient. And that will end. That will end. Because one day you will die and you'll stand before God. You're either going to be in the righteousness of Jesus or not. 
And right now, I appeal to you kindly and out of the mercy of God to put your faith in Jesus, to find your safety in Jesus, to turn from the dirt clods of this world that will be shaken and turned into nothing and find yourself in the unshakable kingdom through faith in Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.